0: It's Thursday, June sixth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Isaac Pino, and from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Happy Thursday, gentlemen. Hello. Happy Thursday. Um, we're going to talk international retail. We've got a potential IPO, uh, but we are going to start. I, I, I'm not even sure how to categorize this, so I'll just I'll just go right into the story. Um, let's start with the fact that on an average trading day, fewer than one million shares of SodaStream International. Ex- trade uh, from one person to another, uh, and today, in just the first two hours of trading, more than four times that amount have traded, <laughs> and that is because of a newspaper report in Israel that Pepsi was in talks to buy SodaStream for $2 billion. Uh, Isaac, we know now that uh, this is completely untrue, but SodaStream is a company that you, uh, I know you follow it closely. What? First and foremost, what did you think when you first when you woke up this morning? You the first time you see this story, what goes through your head when you see this? Do you do you think oh the, oh this is a great move?
1: Do you think wait a minute what? <laughs> well, it, what is probably the best explanation there? You know, it just completely uh, shocked me or would shock me if this was actually going to go through. And so that's how I responded. Uh, you know, Pepsi, Coke making a bid on SodaStream. Of course, it's a fast-growing company, but it's not something that I would have foreseen for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. And so we talk about the signal versus Versus a noise finding out this is false it's a complete noise that investors should not be paying attention to but of course yeah my first response was just like what why would SodaStream do this why would pepsi do this didn't make any sense to me
0: we saw this last year too right with coca-cola and there were there were rumors that coca-cola was going to buy monster beverage mm-hmm.
2: and yeah it, it just uh, uh, i mean at least i guess monster beverages are already made i mean that's what really struck me with this was it just didn't make any sense to think about like like you have Pepsi and then Coke and then SodaStream is like the complete opposite. Like they're trying to give you a reason to not go buy Pepsi and Coke that's already made in the can in the store. You know, I mean, they're saying, hey, it's more fun to make your soda at home.
0: Right. For uh, for, for anyone who may not know, SodaStream is the company where you can make your own soda at home. You, you've you got the
1: flavoring. You've got the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, what, the, the canister. You own one of these I, things, I do right? have one of these. And uh, so SodaStream uh, touts the convenience of it. And it is pretty convenient since I've had it and um, I've used it pretty regularly i'm one of those you know regular users that they're looking for for that whole uh, you know razor blade razor and blades model and uh it it is convenient of course i live right down the street from a bed bath and beyond so i can run down there replace the canister whenever it runs out and uh you know it saves me the convenience of having to haul home
2: you know 12 packs of coke and and pepsi and whatnot that's where i guess my disconnect is i mean the convenience i get it's more convenient than cracking open a can (laughs) i mean like are you, you're cracking, you're twisting off a twist top? I mean, that, that's not more convenient, right? I mean, I would rather crack open a can. But, I mean, seriously, let's think about this because we Those know that the cans like, just don't appear. Right? As, well, that's a good point, yeah. But I mean, it's the last, you know, year or so we've been seeing Coke and Pepsi trying to migrate toward the non fizzy beverages, right? I mean, that's where we're seeing like these, these, these carbonated beverages are, are starting to uh, lose a little bit of market share because we're understanding they're not in the most healthy Beverages in the world, and so we see Coke and mm-hmm. and Pepsi migrating towards those things like vitamin water and, and bottled water and stuff like that. So I, I just don't know that that's necessarily a you know an, an acquisition that would be accretive to their business in, in any real capacity. But
0: it's the problem here the word soda because it's we have mm-hmm. seen for the past decade in America s- sales of soda not not necessarily diet soda but soda with a lot of calories a lot of sugar we've seen that declining mm-hmm. whereas Seltzer water, carbonated beverages that maybe don't have any or very few calories. Mm -hmm. That's the sort of thing, you know, uh, 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 another colleague of ours, Chris Harris, he's got one of these things. He loves Diet Coke, but he also loves making... Flavored carbonated water. Mm-hmm. So just, oh, it's lime flavor. It doesn't have yeah. a lot of sugar or yeah. calories, that sort of yeah. thing. And and where I'm going with this is, does SodaStream just need a new name? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do, do they just need to rebrand
1: to, you know, carbonated? I, I don't know what it is, well, but. Well, they've been around for a hundred years and, you know, whenever the SodaStream name actually came to be, I'm not really sure. Um, they wouldn't change it at this point, but I, I think to, to your point, uh, soda doesn't necessarily make sense for SodaStream. I mean, they're moving into carbonated water, which if you look at it, is a $39 billion market um, as of earlier this year um, they claim that it saves 70 percent to produce your own carbonated water at home and maybe that's not hugely popular in America but now, but it's a huge market nonetheless. Um, you know they generate 466 million in revenue and the total soft drinks and carbonated water market is 260 billion dollars so there's a lot of opportunity there
2: and there is nothing more refreshing than a club soda with ice and a lime I mean that's good stuff. You know, I was it's gonna, not going to kill you. Uh, I was just going to say there's got bur- to be a third ingredient. I in was going to say bourbon. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we um, talked about this yesterday with the delivery, right? <laughs> I mean, you were bourbon, I was beer. It was the reported price um,
0: the, <laughs> on this uh, errant story um, was that SodaStream was going to be bought for two billion. It right now has a market cap of about one <laughs> and a half billion. So that's a, a pretty nice premium if it had been true. Um, Closing question on this topic, Isaac, three years from now, is SodaStream still a standalone company or does it belong to someone else? What do you think?
1: Um. Sp- so I would say it's still a standalone company, and for a couple of reasons. I looked at this news report, and the first thing I thought was, I don't understand the avenues that SodaStream's looking at. So moving into restaurants, moving into your dispenser and your refrigerator and producing carbonated water there, um, they already have the distribution centers with Bed Bath & Beyond. So all of these things, I think they're already moving on, and I don't understand how Pepsi or Coke would really provide that opportunity. And I also look at it as, you know, Pepsi and Coke are really selling the advertising. They're selling the aura of drinking Pepsi and Coke. and why would they want to sell their syrup to SodaStream so that suddenly that aura of making this the, the soda is just commoditized you know you 're just putting in a little packet of sugar and water, and I feel like it doesn 't make sense for those reasons um, and Sodastream seems to be firing on all cylinders. they expect to double revenue by two thousand and sixteen um, they 're up fifty five percent as a stock on legitimate news this year, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the fake news right <laughs> uh, Amazon is moving into its
0: tenth marketplace, and that is uh, a pretty big one, which is India. Um, It is moving into India with its marketplace model. That is because foreign companies are not allowed to sell directly online in India. So uh, Amazon will provide a platform for third parties and consumers to to buy and sell. What do you think, Jason? It it, it seems like, um, well, obviously, (laughs) due to the legality of the situation, it is basically the only move Amazon can make at this point if they want to expand into India. Do you think it's a good move?
2: Right, yeah. I mean I think it's it's the very beginning stages of what they're going to be able to do in India. It's it's almost like nineteen ninety four all over again and they're sort of hitting the reset button. It's just in a new country. And they're they're playing into their strengths here in e commerce and fulfillment and distribution, right? I mean that's what this is, is they're not selling Amazon's inventory online in India. Right. They're helping in Indian uh sellers have another way to to sort of hawk their wares to get their goods out there for for folks in India to purchase and so they're helping with the fulfillment and the shipments and I think that what they're going to do is stepping in here very slowly uh, offering you know this this opportunity really to get in there and prove to to India that that their model works, that they can that they can add convenience uh, to to you know the everyday consumers' lives. There, I mean, India is not an insignificant economy. I mean, it's 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 the fourth largest uh, GDP behind us and and the EU and China. Uh, now, with that said, GDP per capita is significantly lower. Uh, but but you know we look at, at the smartphones and and tablets as a big opportunity there, and I think this is a play into that. And it'll start very slowly with just print books and videos and DVDs and stuff like that. It'll move into more electronic devices as time goes on. And so I think this is just the very beginning steps of what will be, I believe, a very fruitful relationship uh, as they continue to roll out their uh, quest for world domination, of course.
0: I don't know how long this has been in the works, but uh, over the last few years, we've seen Walmart, the world's largest retailer, Really struggle with its attempts to expand into India and uh, ultimately not really have any success there. Um, this this seems like um, it seems odd, Isaac, to to refer to this as a small bet given Amazon size and frankly given the the marketplace opportunity in India. But in some ways, it seems like a a smarter and safer move and maybe less mm-hmm. logistically challenging than anything Walmart was trying to pull off what do you think mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i don't know all of the uh, legal issues around starting a walmart in a major uh, indian city but there's challenges to the you know putting the capital forth to build retail outlets whereas uh, the fulfillment centers might be uh, a little safer of a pathway for amazon and this is a company that the supply chain expertise that they have is incredible it's it's un- you know unmatched m- besides maybe a walmart and, uh, and- and they're willing to take uh, meager profits. We've seen that. So wherever there's right. a great supply chain opportunity, and there's an opportunity to take the the loss or you know take lower profits than your competitor, they're going to move in there and they're going to try to become the backbone of that retail chain. And you know perhaps culturally it works pretty well over there. They're connecting buyers
2: and sellers as opposed
1: to just throwing the Amazon uh, gauntlet at them right away.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm glad you brought up Walmart because I think that's that's certainly something worth looking at. And I think that the reason why Amazon. Uh, I, the reason why I think this will play out a little bit differently for Amazon is because Walmart is is really trailing Amazon in just the e commerce movement. I mean, Walmart is not known for uh, their e commerce capabilities, whereas Amazon that's really why they exist to begin with. So I think that Walmart faced a lot of hurdles. Already, I mean, they're still facing a lot of hurdles here in the U.S. in that in that regard. Uh, and Amazon is really helping to define and redefine that space. So they're setting the trends. They're sort of blazing the trails. And uh, and I, I would expect that to continue with, with a guy like Jeff Bezos at the helm.
0: I know that a few of our dozens of listeners live in India. So uh, by all means, drop <laughs> us an email radio at fool dot com and let us know let us know what it's like. Yeah, I think it'd be great if uh, if if we could get a sense. Uh, uh, from our listeners, what the experience is like, whether it be buying or selling, uh, from Amazon India. Um, the container store is reportedly gearing up for an IPO. Um, uh, this is a company that, uh, is, uh, even though it's a private company, it's, it's, it's one we, uh, have paid attention to and like, uh, we've had the opportunity to have the CEO and co-founder, Kip Tim, uh, Kip Tindall, uh, here at the Motley Fool. Um, when you look at the numbers, guys, right now 59 stores did around 700 million in sales last year. That was up 11% from the year before. Um, this is one of those situations where a private equity firm has a majority stake, so, and they've had it for more than five years. So uh, maybe it is not Kip Tindall's fondest wish to enter into the, the, the public markets, um, and maybe this is private equity saying, no, 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 it's time. We don't know the details. <laughs> mm-hmm. And frankly, Container Store is not commenting on it. These are reports from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Um, but let's just go ahead and assume that they are true and that at some point in the next year that this is a store that does become public. What, What's your gut reaction, Jason?
2: Well, I, you know, it is it is a small concept. And so, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of around 60 stores and around $700 million in revenue... Uh, if you compare it to something like a Bed Bath and Beyond, and this is just for simplicity's sake, but Bed Bath and Beyond uh, is valued at around one and a half times sales. So if you put Container Store on that, you know, measuring stick, then it would probably peg it at around a billion and a billion and a half market capitalization. So my point is, there it's a small cap company. Uh, but with that said, I mean, we Tom Gardner is, is a big fan of, of Kim mm-hmm. Tindall, and he's interviewed him. I think you just got done interviewing him and and I think that you know Kip is uh is known for really establishing a great culture at the container store and I think that that's something that resonates with us uh, in a, in a big way because when you when you develop a workplace where people want to be and people want to stay then I think you have happy employees and you, you tend to the business tends to perform better over longer periods of time uh the downfalls of having to go public is, you know, you have to answer to the public. Uh, but with that said, I think they've done a great job developing a good culture at the company to this point where uh, it would it would probably be pretty successful. I mean, they provide a unique offering. I
0: was going to say, it's not a Costco in that Costco sells pretty much everything, um, but it does get compared to Costco in terms of just sort of that workplace culture, that employee satisfaction, and that, that seems like one of those things that, that really – does make a difference when it comes to the performance of publicly traded companies.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I don't doubt that if they do conduct this IPO that we will be talking about Container Store quite frequently <laughs> yeah. in the next couple of years. It's it's one of those companies that, you know, if I look at my mom, my sister, and they're interested in, you know, a retail outlet, you know, you're talking Trader Joe's, it's a private company, Container Store would be yeah. right at the top of their list. You know, they want to know more about what these companies are doing, and they frequent them um, all the time. Uh, Texas-based company, I was very familiar with it growing up um, there, and I think that they have a good quality culture. or They have their own culture. At least it's defined and set. And they have their values laid out in a good business strategy. And I think um, going into the IPO, that's going to be most important. If everything's just like sh- set in stone before they go into the IPO, then I don't understand how that would really change the outlook for the company at They're all. based in Texas? I think they're based in Coppell. Is that right? I don't so know. I think, I well, like I know them. Tom was interviewing
0: Southside Kent in Texas. I believe oh. they were based in Texas, mm-hmm. yeah. It seems like – I realize it's a niche <laughs> – but when I hear 60 stores, I, I just I – It's tiny. There's a lot of
1: growth. Well, for for, I for just context think, there. I just
2: think in terms of opportunity for growth. And that's there. Bed Bath & Beyond, for example, just the Bed Bath & Beyond stores, not – like the Christmas stores or the Bye Bye Baby stores, there's about a thousand Bed Bath and Beyond Jeez, stores. are. Now, rough. yeah, exactly. That I mean, seems a, like way too many. Bed Bath and Beyond to me is one that is, is a bit more, uh, risk of being sort of Amazoned out of the market because they sell such a wide variety of, of crap, for lack of a better word. I mean, I just, it's an inventory nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I would a lot think of products. But when you look at something like a container store, the thing I like about the container stores, they provide a very specialized offering and, and it's one that really you need to sort of, you need to see. You need mm-hmm. to actually go in there and see what the solutions are. Right. I mean, I liken it to something maybe like an Ikea. You know what I mean? We were looking in our basement at home to put in some storage solution in our laundry room. We went to Ikea. We picked out some stuff, and, but you've got to be there. You have to go there, see it, look at it, measure it, see what the right. deal is. And I think that's one of the, one of the advantages that container store maybe would have. Yeah. You know, uh, Jason uh, often talks about the Amazon proof
1: businesses that are out there. I think this might be a great example of one that has uh, defined itself as a retailer that is not just selling a product, but actually selling solutions and services and uh, our producer Macrio, and I were talking about that you know they come they come forward and they present a consulting type solution to organizing your closet, which is much more than me picking up a few containers at Amazon or, or Walmart or otherwise. Do you have a favorite container? <laughs> just like a go-to. I think the under the bed container is probably my favorite cuz it's just out of the way. It's it's hidden. Yeah, I got to say those
0: uh, yeah, those those types of like large plastic boxes that you can just seal and just put stuff in and just jam in your attic. I yeah. I like those, although frankly, I'm very partial to the Ziploc bag.
2: I am I am extremely partial to the 12 ounce brown glass bottle. <laughs> I didn't know those were substitutes for one another. But it's a container. <laughs> I mean, it is cont- it is a container.
0: All right, Jason Moser, Isaac Pino, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, thanks. a lot. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Fooling. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chriselle. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.